Welcome to the Ethical AI mini-series on GovCast. I'm Alexander Bolivo, Production Lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is Staff Area Researcher, Catherine McVale. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Alex. So for today's episode, you had a chance to talk with Kelly Rose. Kelly Rose is the Technical Director for the Science-Based AI ML Institute, or SAMI, within the National Energy Technology Laboratory, or NETL. My first question for you is, what is SAMI? <laughs> so SAMI was first established in 2020, and the Science-Based AI ML Institute uses AI and ML artificial intelligence and machine learning methods to accelerate applied technology development for today's energy challenges. And so their work supports the Department of Energy's strategic objectives in environmental and social justice. Very cool. And can you tell us about the work that SAMI does? Yes. So SAMI has three main R&D pillars. Um, you'll hear more about this from Kelly. But SAMI focuses first on science-based AI ML modeling and a lot of applied science. Over the past few decades, NETL has produced a suite of science-based computational tools that cover things like geospatial and subsurface geologic understanding and visualization, or energy system optimization. SAMI also develops foundational standards and platforms for the responsible and sustainable development and deployment of artificial intelligence and machine learning. And in particular, they follow the FAIR data principles. FAIR stands for findable, accessible, interoperable, and reusable. And that is a set of guiding principles that is meant to support the reusability of digital assets. And reusability is really key because their third R&D pillar is the Energy Data Exchange or EDX platform, which has existed within NETL for a while now. And that platform is really exciting. It does a really incredible job of democratizing access to data. And it's really all about responsible data curation and supporting the carbon management community. So it's this smart data platform that is available online to public and private research curation. And those are sort of the three main R&D pillars at SAMI. So before we jump into the interview, are there any top takeaways that you want to highlight for our listeners, something for them to keep an ear out for as they listen to the episode? Yeah, I think the big takeaway for me was really what Kelly will talk about in how AI is really enabling people to look at the big picture, whereas with analytic capabilities in the past, we could really only examine one puzzle piece at a time. But now there are so many more opportunities and these opportunities are really, really important for some of President Biden's very ambitious goals to have a carbon pollution-free electricity sector by 2035. It's going to take a lot of innovation to get us there. And there's some really exciting research happening at SAMI and at the Department of Energy at large. And the other thing that really stood out to me as sort of a shining example in government of data curation really is that EDX platform. I think there's a lot of lessons learned there for the rest of government to be thinking about how to support research and democratize access to data. Thank you for those takeaways. And with all that in mind, let's take a listen to your interview. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, thank you, Catherine. It's a pleasure to be here. 
So to start us off, could you introduce the work and the mission of SAMI? Absolutely. Um, SAMI is a relatively new effort through uh, one of the Department of Energy's national labs, NETL, where I work. This institute is recognizing how much AI has really been transforming our society and technology space over the last decade to two decades as the scale of AI implementation in, in conjunction with advanced computing resources is really driving opportunity. So SAMI uh, was launched a little over two years ago in 2020. And the goal for NETL and our stakeholders in the energy space is to drive AI solutions that support applied energy science to address national environmental, economic, and social challenges, technology innovation through responsible AI. I'm curious, I know that you are looking at responsible AI. What are some of the questions, challenges, or best practices that come up in your work in regards to the responsible use of AI? This is a this is a topic that is is discussed pretty widely in in many different disciplines and domains. Obviously, we're coming from the energy and environmental technology innovation perspective, but there's cross cutting themes here around the ethical use of AI. And AI-based research has a lot of similarities with non-AI research practices and, and implementation. So there's a lot of things that my colleagues and the Institute can learn from our, our standard hypothesis, science-driven approaches to ensure that our AI implementation of technology innovation, new models, new solutions using AI-driven methods uh, is less susceptible to data biases, human biases in the formulation of the problem, the execution um, of that AI-driven solution, and even the validation and explainability of that result. You know, we want to look for methods that build confidence. One of the, one of the aspects for this science-based AIML Institute, we deal with really complex systems. Not too dissimilar, a good a good example in, in more in the average daily user's environment is when you start thinking about all the complexities of what goes into AI for self-driving cars and vehicles. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of information and opportunity for AI to assist and inform and innovate in that space, but it is it is a multifaceted problem. And that's very similar to the types of complex research problems that we face here in the SAMI NETL domain. So when we're trying to build confidence around the ethical use of AI for the energy and environmental technology innovations that we're focused on, um, we often promote a multi-modeling approach, federated AI approaches, meaning more than one model uh, to, to look for consensus, build confidence, especially when you're dealing with large scale data sets or data sets with gaps. You want, you want the outcome to be explainable, trustworthy, but we don't have the opportunity and the luxury to vet every little facet of, of the data set itself and, and the model because of the scale of implementation, just like with self-driving cars. But you have to make sure that how you are applying it, how you are innovating your AI methods, ultimately 
ultimately is explainable as 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 unbiased as possible to promote ethical use and and builds confidence in the results so that it can help do things that are beneficial in that public service role that we are in as a federal national lab so it's you know there's there's always error there's always uncertainty but the more that you can understand the results explain them and look for that confidence through through cross validation through understanding how the method was developed that it was hypothesis driven etc you you have more confidence that you're you're developing something that's going to stand up to peer review and is robust and is mitigating any inherent intrinsic biases that may be inherited due to the the nature of the problem that you're addressing the types of data that are available AI actually has a lot of opportunity to help mitigate and overcome some of that, but it, it comes back to explainability and vetting of the result at the end. You said there that AI has the potential to even help overcome bias. How do we get there? That's kind of a big question, but do you have any ideas about what that pathway looks like? Um, I think I think that opportunity for AI, there's a lot of legitimate and reasonable responsible concern around you know the use of ai and the biases that we may be building into ai models and solutions because we are still part of the equation and humans no matter how much we try to mitigate our unconscious and conscious biases they're part of us they're part of our culture they're part of the lens that we experience the world through and that we innovate through uh, so there's going to be a human component, even in unsupervised AI models, in the explainability and the validation side. So that multi-modeling approach to me, that federated AI using multiple models to, to, to arrive and, and test and stress test that, that problem that you're, you're trying to assess is one way to start to unpack, is there bias in any particular approach? Even, even in non-AI modeling spaces, it is, it is a widely accepted trope that all models are wrong. It's just how wrong are they? Yeah. They're only as good as the data that goes into them, how they were developed. Mm -hmm. But you build confidence in models through that multi-modeling kind of approach. And AI is in the same boat. The weather forecast is almost always wrong, right? <laughs> you know, within some tolerance. And there's not just one model for forecasting the weather. There are multiple models, and as they as they converge on a similar forecast, we as consumers gain confidence in whether we should carry an umbrella on a given day or put on a winter coat. And AI is in the same in the same position. So, so if you can go through either a multi-modeling approach on AI using both AI and maybe non-AI methods to interrogate a problem and look for consensus, that's one way to overcome bias. Look for you know responsible results, build confidence. Um, but you asked the question about how AI may be able to diffuse some of those biases, conscious and unconscious that we bring mm -hmm. at, you know, as humans to our, our work and our innovative efforts. And there's some really exciting examples in the AI space of projects that discover unexpected results using AI modeling and big data, scalable data. One of the most exciting parts of, of this 
big data and now AI revolution that society has been going through over the last 10, 15, 20 years is the ability to look at the bigger picture, the ability to, to consume more information, look at different facets of the problem, incorporate the, the full picture. So the anecdote of the blind man and the elephant is a really good visual to use and one that, that I often mm -hmm. cite here. We've been restricted often historically uh, in the science and engineering domains to looking at you know, our little facet of the problem because of the scale of the tools and the data and the resources that were available and that we could responsibly and reasonably use. But as AI models in combination with big data and advanced computing have crescendoed up our ability to take that one piece of the puzzle, the one part of the elephant that we're looking at, and look at it within the context of a bigger picture, whatever the problem is that we're interrogating, mm -hmm. has afforded opportunities to make discoveries that, that we weren't even necessarily looking for. Uh, there's some really great examples in, you know, from the medical side of things and the, the paleontological evolutionary science side of things where they've discovered species extinctions that they didn't even expect. They didn't even know there was an extinction event, but they were parsing the peer-reviewed literature for individual published studies and the results and aggregating it using AI methods, all this knowledge, all this data. And all of a sudden, when, when the scientists, the humans went back and looked at the results from this neural network and aggregated, aggregative ugh, modeling data approach for AI, they were suddenly like, hey, there's an extinction event that we didn't even recognize. And this has ramifications for, and it, it led to discovery. It, it's, it's a way, and that's not necessarily a bias per se, but it is a bias in, in the sense that we as humans can only see a, a certain amount of the picture at any given point in time. And the opportunity for AI and advanced big data computing to look at the bigger picture and put things back into context and mitigate some of those biases formulate the full view of the elephant, not just the foot or the tail or the trunk, is really exciting and is driving breakthroughs on multiple fronts. That is really exciting. I really love the way you put that about being able to see the bigger picture in a way that wasn't possible before. You mentioned that this multi-modeling approach is really key to Sammy and how you go about your work. I'm wondering if there are any examples of that at Sammy that you might like to highlight about how you're using the multi-modeling approach in a particular instance? Oh, there's a there's quite a number of examples, but we we have a group here at NEGL that has been working for since the the world's largest environmental oil spill disaster, the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. This group has been working on how to prevent future spills. It's one of the only research efforts, at least in the US, that is focused on spill prevention. There's a lot of programs focused on spill response and mitigation after things happen. But this program is kind of like keeping the airplane in the air. It's about let's, let's do operations safely. And particularly as our infrastructure onshore and offshore continues to age, and we have opportunity to reuse some of this infrastructure and exciting new uh, alternative energy opportunities, things for carbon storage, hydrogen 
storage and other, other domain transport related activities, we need to understand this infrastructure and its resiliency and its ability to do things that it wasn't necessarily originally designed for. So what is its longevity? And, and again, that, that anecdote of looking at the full picture and multiple systems, it's not just about the piece of infrastructure itself, an individual wellbore or an, an individual pipeline or storage facility. It's about what, how does that interact with the natural environment? How have humans interacted with it over its history since it was developed, built, maintained, upgraded? There are tons of records and AI is a really fun opportunity, albeit complicated, multiple AI models to attack different facets of how to aggregate all that information and knowledge that has been accumulated historically and then put it into a predictive AI model to understand the future longevity and potential maintenance risks associated with that, those different infrastructure types. So we know where we might have vulnerabilities and risks that could have a deleterious impact on humanity and society and the environment, but also have opportunity to reuse infrastructure and these alternative next generation energy solutions. There's a, there's a group here at NETL that, that has won an award for their, their advanced infrastructure integrity modeling effort aim. And that is the approach that they've been taking for, and they're now expanding it. They started in that deep water offshore environment because the program that they started in was, was over in that domain, but they're now expanding it into the carbon storage and onshore pipeline and other resiliency activities where this type of multi-modeling AI driven and informed approach um, is accelerating the ability to find the right types of data sets, extract them from previously unfriendly formats, get image, image data out, get textual data out, and then aggregate it into a more structured format that then their advanced models using neural nets and other AI methods can use that are based on the science base of what we know about this infrastructure and its resiliency and how it operates and when it's likely to fail using that forecasting based on the history of the performance of these, of these different components within the environments within they sit and make predictions about their longevity and their potential for reuse into the future. So AIM has done a really nice job in that offshore setting and it's being expanded now for a number of other applications and is, a, is an ex example of that type of multi-modeling federated approach for AI that I think is also illustrative of, of what SAMI is seeking to do, which is that science-based AI ML for applied energy, environmental and societal benefit. Yeah, that's an amazing example. I mean, it's a great example of what you were saying before about being able to do things we couldn't before trying to keep the plane in the air. That's something that yeah. we <laughs> didn't have the data and the analytics to model before. As you mentioned, SAMI has an applied science model and SAMI's projects support the Department of Energy's strategic objectives, including the DOE's environmental and social justice goals. And I'm wondering if you could tell us even more what that work looks like and what sorts of ethical or responsible AI considerations might arise? Uh, back in 2020, 
we had a request to assist again with that energy community transition. There's a there's a broad recognition that that climate is changing. It is having impacts largely negative on on the environment and society as a whole. And the opportunity to transition from what we now recognize as, as, as humans, as society, we now recognize that the burning of fossil fuels, just like any, anything that we do has an impact, has a result. Mm -hmm. You know, anything that we do as humans, you throw a pebble in a pond, it creates a ripple. Everything has a cause and an effect. And, and understanding that is, is really important. It's, it's like, you know, back in the eighties, when I was a kid, I remember all the kerfuffle over the hole in the ozone layer and the increase in skin cancer rates and how society across the globe came together to address that and try to, you know, stop emitting uh, CFCs and other chemicals into the, into the atmosphere that were recognized to cause that effect. It wasn't intended. Humans didn't get set out to to make their environment less friendly to their their to our own survival, mm-hmm. and we're in that same transition. You know, we recognize that we we need to come up with new ways to produce energy, and even those are likely to have impacts. So we have to do it responsibly. But on the environmental social justice side, there's also a footprint, a history, a legacy from before we had the information and the recognition of of how fossil energy production and consumption has led to the, the, the impacts and concerns that are, that are hitting us globally now. But there's this recognition that we need to responsibly transition those communities so that they can move on to new ways of, of making money and, and having careers and having a societal fabric that is, that is healthy and that they don't just see the things that they are dependent on from the fossil energy side of things go away. And there's actually a lot of opportunity there um, for those same types of knowledge base and, and technology sectors, commercial sectors to make this transition if we do it responsibly. So this gets back to on the environmental social justice side, the opportunity to remediate some of those environmental impacts catalyzing new commercial sectors. The opportunity, one example of which that NETL and DOE are working in concert with with our our colleagues in Department of Interior um, and other federal agencies, as well as the commercial sector is around mine waste and not just from the fossil energy sector. There's, There's a whole footprint across our country, you think of the gold rush you know, era and then copper and other mining extraction industry efforts. Well, the primary thing that people were going after were those mineral resources that were, that were economically desirable at the time, gold, copper, coal, whatever it may have been. But it left, back in, it left behind an environmental footprint that now, that, has, that now offers an opportunity for potential beneficiation economic benefit, not everywhere, but designing and developing the tools and the models and the techniques to identify where we may be able to remediate those those mine waste um, products and beneficiate them and unlock a domestic potential commercial sector for rare earth and critical mineral 
resources that are so important for the medical sector, the manufacturing sector, and the renewable energy sector for battery storage and other is something that is, is being driven and, and catalyzed with these EJSJ kinds of analyses and is very much tied with AI-based research as well. You need to be able to identify where are these resources likely to occur? How are they being concentrated in these mine waste byproducts, which take different forms? We need to accelerate development of the technologies that allow us to responsibly extract those rare earth critical mineral resources from those waste products and get them to market. And the footprint of those happens to coincide with a lot of these energy traditional energy communities and offers one example of how we may be able to use EJSJ based analytics and AI together to responsibly work on transitioning some of these communities. There's also similar efforts with the hydrogen economy, the carbon capture and storage economies, and coincidence with these traditional energy communities and the ability to use AI in all of those sectors, critical minerals, H2, CO2, and more, to, to move these communities forward, affect social and environmental change for the benefit of the, the the country and the world as a whole is what's really exciting. And it's that, that, you know, it's that AI of scale kind of concept again. These are complicated systems, but they are ones that SAMI and DOE and NETL are really well equipped to assist with, along with our partners that are so critical across the country. So there's a, there's a lot going on in that environmental social justice space uh, that, that is data-driven, data-dependent, and prime for AI-based innovation. Wow, that is really great to hear. That's such a unique opportunity. And again, another example of like, how would we tackle this before? It'd be very difficult to do without the resources that are available now. Absolutely. Hi, everyone. Catherine's conversation with Kelly Rose was so full of great information that we decided to split it up into two episodes. Tune in tomorrow for the second half of their interview. Make sure you're subscribed to GovCast. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Thank you for listening. GovCast, along with HealthCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.